welcome in to another episode of Maroon and Bold. I am your host and sports editor, Austin Chastain, along in the Zoom call with staff reporter Christian Boer. Christian, how are things going for you? We're, I, I guess, settling into the semester already. Um, how are things looking for you? Things are going well, man. Doing all right, surviving, uh, taking it one day, one day at a time. Yeah, same here. That uh, I think is the best way to go about it for sure. Um, yeah, kind of like you said, one day at a time, claiming a victory one day at a time. Another entity on campus that is claiming a victory one day at a time is CMU women's basketball team on a three-game winning streak after a very close win yesterday or Saturday in McGurk Arena over Buffalo. Christian, the uh, Chippewa women have, I think, kind of re-energized and have started to kind of figure it out. Yeah, they've turned it around quite a bit from the three-game losing streak. Um, And really, the whole emphasis has been on starting faster, and they did that again on Saturday, started out on a 10-0 run. You hold Buffalo scoreless for almost seven minutes to start the game. And you knew that, like, DeAsia Fair, Buffalo's best player, maybe the best scorer in the match, she was going to get hot at some point. And she did, and she ended up with 22, I believe maybe 24. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, Heather Osley said they executed the defensive game plan well, and they made stops when they needed to. You got a block from Kira Bustle on a three-point attempt to tie the game. And then on the next possession, Molly Davis got a block. So, And that's not even mentioning the fact that Twin Kelly, you know, essentially put the team on her her shoulders, excuse me, offensively. Uh, so another good effort, another team win, and they're back on the right track. But now you're, you've are you almost got to win every game at this point because you're playing catch-up. You know, they're three games back. Obviously, Kent State hasn't played in almost a month, but you're going to have to win more games like that. And there's really – not very much room for error at this point. Right. I mean, not a lot of error. I mean, I was counting if there's what nine or 10 games somewhere in that realm, eight, nine, 10 games left in the season. But there's, I mean, there's a way that CMU could still win the Mac. I mean, you know, there's, like I said, there's still a lot of time left, but you're right. I mean, crunch time is, is now as opposed to, trying to hold everyone off. This actually might this actually might be might be the best for CMU if it wants to go win the Mac is to be able to to not have to hold everyone off and they can just kind of go out and play a little more freely. Granted a loss is a lot more detrimental than say it was last year when they suffered a couple of losses toward the end of the season. But but Having to kind of come from behind, I think, can let CMU be more aggressive, and I think that that'll be good. Um, kind of for comparison, it, it it's really not much of a comparison, but but I'm a big golf guy, and Tiger Woods always loves playing from behind. He loves playing off the lead, so he can be more aggressive going into that in that final round. So. I, I'm kind of using that same that same mindset with uh, with CMU's women's basketball team. They can play catch up and play catch up and be more aggressive in that in that final round down the home stretch. 
you had mentioned, you know, Twin Kelly, obviously big four for CMU. Molly Davis came up clutch. Uh, Kira Bustle was was big in in moments. She's started to turn it around after the struggles that she's had in the last couple of weeks, uh, and like we, we talked about last week. But really, um, kind of a kind of a two parter. Uh, you're at the game on Saturday. Who who's really stepped up? for for CMU in the last couple of weeks and kind of led to this turnaround? I think it all starts with Molly Davis. I think that what she's been able to do offensively has taken this team to another level in terms of that dynamic that they've had in the backcourt between her and Michaela Kelly. Um, you know, last year she showed it in spurts, but this year it's like she hits another gear anytime her team needs a bucket and – I know I mentioned that Michaela was the one getting them down the stretch, but that's because they were taking away Molly. She was getting denied, uh, doubled on the inbounds. But she's able to do offensively, and she's as consistent as they come uh, from outside the three-point range. Maddie Waters is another one who really carried them in the first half. She had 14 in the first half. She was hitting all of her threes and, and attacking against that zone. So just really the backcourt in general has stepped up Obviously, you're not going to be able to get 38 to 40 minutes behind between Waters, Davis, and Kelly because that's been about what they've all played the last couple games. you got to find another option off that bench if you're Heather Osterley, and I know she wants to. Uh, Carly Crabtree seeing more minutes now. Um, Nanika Weeks can play guard and forward, so there's there's hope there. And then Sophia Karasinski and Kylie Martinez as well. So. You know, you, you mentioned who stepped up. Obviously, it's been Molly Davis and a little bit of Maddie Waters, too, in spurts just with their consistency. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to find another option off the bench. So what you're telling me is that is that the backcourt can just shut it down. They knock it down. They're good to go. Essentially. You'll love to see it. You'll love to see it. You'll love to see it. You know, that – that um, yeah, that's going to be – Huge backcourt play, of course, in the MAC in the postseason. I feel like we talk about it all the time. It's kind of a cliche, but really, I mean, backcourt play in the MAC tournament, huge. Frontcourt play, huge. Having, you know, having having those two units working cohesively, man, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna have a tough time stopping whichever team can find that groove and CMU has been known to do that. Granted, for some reason, I'm not sure what it is, but sometimes somehow teams have been able to nip CMU in the Mac tournament. And, and we can talk about that in more in depth once the tournament gets a little bit closer, but you know, I, I don't, I don't see, I don't see a reason why, you know, Heather Osterley can't, lead that team to that cohesiveness to, I don't know, go out and win the Mac again. <laughs> I mean, go win the Mac regular season and then, and then come tournament time. I mean, they'll, you know, if they can find a way to, to win the Mac now, they'll be riding that momentum. Uh, man, I, I, again, that's all, that's all speculation. We'll, we'll talk about that once we get closer to March, but um, you know, we're, we're about, see, this is going on, I think on Tuesday. So we're, about a month ish away, about five weeks away from the Mac tournament. So 
again, we'll talk about that when it gets a little bit closer. Um, did want to touch on real quick, um, little, I guess, CMU sports news, if you will. Uh, the CMU volleyball team was hosted its home opener, I guess uh, you could say. Uh, Kent State came in McGurk Arena and beat the Chippewas. Uh, well, swept the Chippewas on Thursday night and then beat CMU three to one on Friday afternoon. Uh, Mike Golick pretty much said, you know, it, there's no time to panic. There's still a lot of time left in the season. It is not the time to hit the panic button, uh, chip, even though the Chippewas are one and three. Uh, but he did say that there's an opportunity to go back to the drawing board and try to find a way to win. He called them emotional points, be it um, a little bit of a d- offensive change, a defensive adjustment. Uh, but when sets get really close, uh, I think three out of the four sets on Friday went down to the last two points. So, um, yeah, for, for for CMU to find a way to kind of turn the tide and, and, and win those, those close sets, it's going to be huge for CMU going forward. Like I said, he said something to the tune of they need to find a way to have a little bit more free-flowing and aggressive offense, um, and that can be sparked by maybe a couple of defensive adjustments or something along those lines. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what kind of adjustments uh, Golic makes going forward. Um, wanted to touch on the men's team. They're really struggling. Uh, where where the, the women have found a way to put together a three-game winning streak, the men are on a three-game losing streak, and they have lost six out of their last seven. Had a game postponed at Buffalo, and then were able to play Saturday uh, at, at Kent State. Uh, so the, the game at Buffalo on Tuesday was postponed due to a, a COVID-19 issue within the CMU program. They called it a roster issue. And then they were able to play on Saturday and took Kent State to the wire. So... Um, I'm not, I'm not, honestly, I'm not too sure. We're still trying to work on how, how they were able to swing that, how they were able to, how there was a a COVID issue on Tuesday and then they were able to play the game on Saturday. We're still trying to figure that out. But um, at the end of the day, six dropping six out of seven, that's, that's not, that's not a good look at six and 10. Yeah, and really the, the one thing that they're struggling with above all else is the fact that they get behind and they just don't play well from behind. They they press a little bit. They offensively and defensively, I guess, hypothetically, you could say that because they do go to that full court press. And I think that it's um, – well, it's not bad, and they, they create some chaos and cause some turnovers from it. It's what they do offensively that hurts them. They just get stagnant. Um, you don't really have a go-to option. I know Trevon Broadway's racked up a lot of points, and Caleb Huffman is racking up a lot of points. And then Mikel Murray, obviously, he's almost a lock for a double-double every time he takes the floor, but you're just not very cohesive. They get stagnant offensively, and they, they start falling apart, and that's why you see teams like Kent State, you know, Central gets it to five, and then Kent State turns it to 15 in the 10 all run. Or, you know, Bowling Green was able to rattle off like 20 to two runs in both of the games they played against them. It's just a matter of figuring out how to stop the runs early before they get too extensive. And that's 
the problem that Central's had this whole year, really, you know, games, even when they went to Florida for that non-conference road trip, they had the same problem. So if you can figure out how to stop that run, then then they'll be all right. But at the same time, time's running, time's running out for that. So I guess it just remains to be seen. And there's a, there's a number of stones that are still unturned as far as figuring this thing out. Yeah, I was counting this morning, I think, and I forget my count now, but I think there were, there were nine games left for the men's team. Uh, yeah, so six and ten, there's a lot of struggles right now that, that Keno Davis and company have to figure out. Uh, with nine games left, sitting at six and ten, and I think just two and seven, if I'm not mistaken, in the in the non-conference. There's there's a lot to 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 guess and to speculate, and we're we're not going to talk we're not going to talk about you know whether CMU should part ways with Keno Davis. Well, if if things don't start to turn around, we might talk about that later. That's a conversation for later. Um, but for right now kind of focus on the season itself the way they're playing man I just don't I don't know if there's a way they get to Cleveland they get one of those eight seeds I uh you know I, I just don't see it um unless they find a way to turn it around and, and start to f- figure out a way to start fast I just don't see a way they, they get one of the eight seeds and and make a run in Cleveland. Do, no, do you? I mean, they're on the outside looking in right now. I think that the Mid-American Conference really, especially on the men's side, is very, very deep. And you could say the same on the women's side. But it, it's going to be a dogfight for those eight seeds, man. Like you see that a team on the top like Bowling Green can go down. I think they've lost three in a row now. Um, I was following along with uh, Nick Pitchwich over at the Toledo Blade, his coverage of the – they lost to Toledo, I believe it was yesterday – so, again, it's going to be a dogfight. And the fact that you don't have one team who's a lock to go out and beat up on everybody and kind of give Central some company down there at the bottom, I I just don't really see how it works out this year. I don't see how they're able to get in. Maybe if it was still the 12-team format, they could maybe go upset somebody and make a run. But you got to be able to get there, and I just don't think this is the year. And mathematically, time's running out, so. We'll see, I guess. But if I had to put money on it right now, I would say that they'd be on the outside looking in. Yeah, actually, just pulled up the standings. CMU two and eight in MAC play. Uh, that actually might be wrong. That doesn't look right. I don't think they're six and eleven. They're not six and eleven, are they? I don't think so. I think the MAC MAC website might have this incorrect. Um, but anyway. Um, I guess they are on a four-game losing streak. So, excuse me, they're on a four-game losing streak, not three. But, but yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, they're two games out right now. Ball State, four and five. Uh, and, and Ball State's in eighth right now, uh, tied for eighth. And the Cardinals actually come to Mount Pleasant on the ninth. Um, so that's going to be, that's gonna be a, a monumental game in terms of CMU trying to find a way to get to Cleveland, Ohio coming in here, uh, coming into McGurk on the second, and then uh, a trip to Northern Illinois on the sixth, and then that that home game against Ball State, 
And then another home game on the 13th against Buffalo. That's another one that's going to be imperative for CMU to have. Buffalo is five and four and is seventh in the standing. Well, I guess tied for six. Uh, Ball State, like I said, is eighth. And then CMU is ninth at two and eight. The Northern Illinois game should be an easy win, but it's 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 basketball. It's never an easy win, and it's on the road. Um, and then Eastern and Western Michigan are both one and seven and at the very bottom. So, yeah, I think there's just a lot to uh, lot to be seen with how the rest of the season is going to play out. But I don't know if there's really a way, um, you know, if if CMU drops those games against Ball State and Buffalo, both in McGurk. Mm, I just don't, I don't think that there's really an opportunity for them to turn it around. And uh, then we can start talking about next year. Um, you know, once the season kind of starts to hit the home stretch, uh, depending on how those, how those games go. So interesting. It'll be, it'll be weird to say the least. Um, but, I think it's going to be um, a bit of a struggle. So we'll just kind of have to hold up and see what happens. See if the men can turn it around. Let's see, sir. Anything else? Um, oh, gymnastics on Sunday. They've not. So we're recording this a little bit before noon on Sunday. Uh, and the Chippewa gymnastics team is at Western Michigan. Um, we're not. 100% sure. Well, we don't know how that's going to go down. Uh, it hasn't started yet. So um, did want to go ahead and mention that the gymnastics team is on the road at Western. They will host, I believe it's Ball State. I want to say next weekend. Let me double check that. Hold on. I will double check that. Like I said, I think, I think it's Ball State on like the, the six or something. Nope. Nope. I was wrong. Northern Illinois on February 11th. That's their first home duel. They'll go. So they're at Western on Sunday, which starts at 1 PM. And then they're at Bowling Green on Friday, the fifth, and then home against Northern Illinois, February 11th at 2 PM. So there's that um, little gymnastics update for you after they dropped their opener at ball state on the 24th. So anyway, there's, there's a quick update on gymnastics. Last thing we wanted to talk about it. Uh, it's super bowl week. I, I honestly, it kind of snuck up on me. I didn't really think that uh, we'd really get into this kind of spot really, but uh, three chip, well, I, kind of three Chippewas are, um, Again, it's weird because Eric Fisher tore his Achilles and it will not be playing um, in Super Bowl 55. But Sean Murphy Bunting and Antonio Brown are both playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, both former Chippewas. And really, you could consider them both to be Chippewa greats. And Eric Fisher, part of the Kansas City Chiefs, plays left tackle, uh, will be, uh, like I said, he'll be sidelined for that one. But the Chiefs are looking to defend their Super Bowl title from last year. Uh, let's start with the CMU guys. Um, like I said, with Fisher, he, he won't be participating, but, um, 
still kind of cool that there's the opportunity for a CMU guy to win back-to-back Super Bowls. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, you know, they're going to miss him because Tampa Bay's defensive line is very good. Um, so not having him up there is going to be tough for the for the O-line there. And Patrick Mahomes is going to be moving around a little bit, it feels like. There's also Mike Dana, uh, former Central Michigan Chippewa, playing for Kansas City. I mean, obviously he's a Michigan, technically a Michigan guy because that's where he was picked. But if I'm not mistaken, I do believe he graduated from Central Michigan before transferring to Michigan. So I guess I guess CMU can claim him as well. And then Murphy Bunting, I think, is going to be the guy that you're going to have to watch out for the most. He's going to be playing in, in the slot, you know, as that nickel cornerback. And he's probably going to be matched up with Tyreek Hill quite a bit. And so it's going to be essentially on – Sean Murphy Bunting to go make a play, and he's had three picks in three games. He's been one of the best defensive backs in the playoffs. So that's been kind of cool to see. And then the other guy, obviously Antonio Brown, he speaks for himself. Um, his you know his quest for a Super Bowl, and really he was going to go down as one of the best receivers of all time before you know everything kind of spiraled out of control for him. You started hearing about some of these off-field things, so. Really, a chance for some of these guys to cement their legacies. You know, Eric Fisher, a guy, you know, a number one overall pick who who could win back to back Super Bowls. Sean Murphy Bunting looking to establish himself as one of the best young corners in the game, and then Antonio Brown searching for that elusive Super Bowl. So, really interesting matchup, and it's cool to see that that CMU has such a big hand in it. Yeah, I saw a stat somewhere that. Um... CMU has, like we said, so CMU has three guys. You could, like, and like Christian said, you could kind of count four with Mike Dana. So each, so how it counts is that Michigan and Central Michigan both have three guys. And I think Michigan counts, well, obviously Michigan would count Mike Dana in that one. So really, if you really wanted to think about it, like Christian is, and I, I like the way he's thinking, you could say that CMU has four guys participating in the Super Bowl, two guys on each side. Um, it, again, it gets weird with the whole graduate transfer thing. But, yeah, he, he did graduate from CMU, then played that one year at Michigan, didn't play a ton. I think most of the tape that the scouts saw were when he was in the maroon and gold. So can kind of take that for, for what it is. Um, but, yeah, um, it, it is really cool to see – such a, a heavy CMU presence in that game. And I mean, CMU has, I'm trying to remember, I think Alabama probably has like six or something like that. Um, but there are a lot of big schools that only have one or two guys. Uh, I think I saw LSU, Florida, uh, some of those kinds of schools. They only have, I think two, I think, I think Florida has two LSU has two. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just, Great to see, and and like you said, I mean, Sean Murphy Bunting can be one of the top guys. I mean, he's been the one of the top guys in the, the postseason so far. So, and he's picking off some of the some of the greats. I mean, Drew Brees, uh, Aaron Rodgers, um, and you could think Alex Smith too with the Washington Football Team. Ah, I caught, I almost, I almost said it, I almost said the former nickname, but I caught myself. Um, but yeah, so it, it, I'm excited to see how those guys how, how those guys do down in Tampa. Uh, the Buccaneers, and it's so funny, but the, the Buccaneers are going to be hosting the Super Bowl 
and playing in it. The first team to play in their home Super Bowl, if those words make sense. Um, and it's it's kind of funny that this is going to happen and the the crowd's going to be limited to 22,500 people. And I think 7,500 people um, of those people are frontline workers, um, I guess, who have been vaccinated. That's just the, the thing that's not, you know, here nor there, but um, 7,500 frontline workers. And then, and then the tickets have been limited to 20, 22,500 people. So it's just funny because, you know, Raymond James Stadium, I think you can cram like 75 to 80, 85,000 people in there. And they're going to be, I think, somewhere around like a quarter capacity or 20% capacity or something like that. So it's, it's, it's just funny how, uh, how, how that's it, not, not funny. It's just ironic how that's kind of worked itself out. Uh, and I'm also really interested, like, are they going to let the Buccaneers just use their normal locker room? Like, this is the kind of, this is the kind of shit that I think about. Like, it's just like kind of stupid almost, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see it and see how it kind of plays out. But, Christian, thinking about the game itself, um, I think I saw the Chiefs are just a slight favorite, but you, I don't, I don't know if you, could, I don't know if you could go against Tom Terrific. Yeah, I made that mistake last week uh, with uh, with Mitch Fosberg on my other show. I, I bet against Tom Brady. I'm not doing that again this week. Uh, not having Eric Fisher is going to hurt the Kansas City offensive line. He's going to be running around because you guys got got guys like Dominic and Sue coming after him. So, uh, give me Tampa Bay, but give me them by three. Uh, Tom Brady wins his seventh Super Bowl and really just kind of furthers himself from the rest of the field. Yeah, I mean, if 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 you're into some of the 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 prop bets and stuff like that, um, I'm not going to give you betting advice because I don't know if we're even allowed to do that. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think personally that the over is going to hit. I think I think that'll be the over, whatever the over is. I don't even know where it's at, but just give me the over because they're two high-powered offenses. They can shut it down. Both the both offenses can just shut it down, right? Um, but yeah, I mean. I, I do think the Chiefs are going to struggle a little bit um, in in the run game. That left side of the offensive line is going to struggle, but at the same time, it's Patrick Mahomes. I mean, there's there's no way that uh, that he's he, that he's going to struggle unless you know he can't get the ball out of his hands or throw the ball into the hands of say Sean Murphy Bunting. Right. Um, no, I, but I, I do, I do like the chiefs in, in that one. Um, wait, wait, what, what did I, did I just say the chiefs? Oh my God. No, I don't want the, I, I'm not going to pick the chiefs. I'm not going to pick the chiefs folks. I, I gotta be honest with you. I got, you know, a little, um, had some adult beverages. I'm 23. It's okay. Um, last night, so I'm not feeling my best uh, here this here today. So give me the Buccaneers. Give them to me by a touchdown. That's what that's that is my actual prediction. The Buccaneers by a touchdown. Good lord. Uh, that was a real ride. 
I'm glad you thought so. That was that was something. I wow. Okay. Oh, okay. Now I, I think I got it. I think my head's in the right space. Um yes, good. Okay. I think we're I think we're I think you know what? I think we're just ready to wrap this up. Christian, do you have anything you'd like to add before before we end this train wreck? No, sir. Oh, man, I was hoping you had something to add. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No. Um, anyway, folks, uh, I, I'm going to try to get through this part without a train wreck, but um, lots of great CMU sports coming up with uh, with all of our basketball coverage, volleyball and gymnastics also coming up. Um, wrestling, we're still trying to figure out whether there will be another meet in McGurk. Uh, their their try was was postponed. It's actually supposed to be this afternoon here on Sunday, uh, the the thirty first. That was shut down uh, because of COVID. So COVID problems within the uh, wrestling program. Uh, Tom Barelli did tell me that it's not a positive test issue. It's a contact tracing issue, and they had just had a lot of guys uh, that had to quarantine due to contact tracing, so they weren't able to participate. Um, in their in their home try on on Sunday so uh, so there's that um, but anyway like I said lots of great coverage coming up from our entire sports desk so make sure you follow along at CM Life Sports on Twitter you can follow along on our website cm-life.com uh, and you can all, all of our reporters are really easy to find once you once you get to at CM Life Sports over on Twitter um, follow all of our main social media channels and and find your podcasts like this one and the one Christian and Mitch Vosberg do uh, call it sportsman like conduct and all of our great seeing life podcasts. There's just, uh, there's just a lot of them at, at this semester. It looks like there's um, I want to say five podcasts now, four or five at least. So um, lots of great stuff from all of our, all of our um, CM lifers. So, wanted to thank you for watching here on YouTube or listening uh, on your podcast platform of choice. For Christian, our multimedia editor, Ben Ackley, and from all of our CM Life staff, I am Austin Chastain. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week when we meet again.